morning. We're doing an early morning show, football and other F-words. It's been a while. Uh, new look. We are going full bleed, too. You're really close. So more mic for the masses. Um, but uh, look at that big old head of yours. You I mean, it's just ridiculous. it's big even when I'm far away, to be honest. I okay, so what, is, so what is this uh, this thing behind you over the Campbell? Who, oh, who is yeah. this? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Earl Campbell. Uh, okay, yeah. oh, okay. Titans, Oilers, uh, legend as well as uh, Texas football legend. And then what's on the uh, other side over there? This this one here is Bruce Matthews, which you can't. Okay, really gotcha. Yeah, we can't really see it, but I just wanted to, the people to know that you got you go. Bruce Matthews, Earl Campbell. Where's your Yancey Thickpin jersey currently? <laughs> Not hanging on the wall. <laughs> it's in uh, like some trunk of despair somewhere. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Trunk of Despair could be a name of a, uh, a Titans uh, F-Words episode later. I'm going to write that down. Trunk yeah. of Despair. I like it. Um, this is football and other F-Words early in the morning. Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor. I'm sipping on some coffee. Is there some alcohol in this coffee? I don't know, but if there was, it'd be from Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, been around for 50 years. We're going to be doing another draft show could be shows i don't know i don't know if my liver could take two shows uh they're gonna have to stock off on some miller six miller light 64 so i can like plow and keep drinking but no margaritas if we're doing multiple shows that's for sure are you, uh, gonna, do, uh, are, are you gonna do some Go alert are you gonna do some alert if, if they do another uh, uh, uh some what what was malort. that malort the uh <laughs> the liquor the whatever the terrible tasting liquor from Chicago that I, I oh. uh, shot at the last of it. Oh, I do not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. So if we all yeah. shot that, there's a good reason why I probably had to put on a YouTube video to try to take a nap that next day to get the hangover <laughs> off. Uh, it was, it was, it was a bad day, uh, but it was a good time. Bad next day. So if we're going to be doing two shows, and if you're a listener, you need to subscribe to the inbox and the bluegrass, uh, the sta- the sinkers inbox, the sinkers in crowd and the bluegrass uh, in crowd as well to make sure that you are stay up to date with any kind of events like that. Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Mike, I got a question for you that's on the minds of everybody this morning. Whatever happened to Feruza Balk? Vicky Valancourt from The Waterboy. Whatever happened to her? She was a oh. show back then. That yeah, that's a good question. She was uh yeah, Vicky Valancourt was a heartthrob, man. Yeah, I mean, like she was from the the craft, which is a very underrated movie from the nineties with all those witches. I think Nave Campbell's in it too. Uh, but just I saw a um I saw Jeff pop up today and I was yeah. like, hmm, I uh wonder wonder what she's up to. So I just thought I wondered if you knew. I have no idea. I haven't I haven't been keeping up with Vicky Valancourt uh yeah, yeah. since since the Waterboy, really. Maybe we need a check-in. Uh, uh, we'll have to do a check-in. Uh, we will do a Colt Anderson segment, sort of. Uh, we'll we'll see. Um, people are it's, it's not a segment, but we're <laughs> going to be talking about the coaching reactions and stuff. We're going to be talking about giving you a little deep dive in our processes, looking at players, looking at prospects. Uh, we're also going to be talking about um, the smart discussion around the wide receivers. And, and we are not going to beat the same topic of Nuke's contract to death. Uh, don't listen to people that don't know what they're talking about and don't know how the business of football works. That's would be my philosophy. That includes several, several accounts, either hey, established or on the rise. <laughs> just because it says an out does not mean that that's an option for both teams. That that's not right. how that works. 
Uh, I mean, let, let's be honest. I think I think PK said it best this morning on Robbie and Rex Road and his and his thing. What's the incentive for him to turn down four million extra dollars? And what's the incentive for him to not get paid as much as he is getting paid this year? What's the incentive for the Titans letting him go? And I'll tell you, there is no incentive, and that's how you, the NFL works. Um, other than that, um, there, the, we're also going to talk about your uh, article over at paulkarski.com, speaking of Paul, and that would be uh, regarding a, fr- a realistic free agent haul for the Tennessee Titans. So uh, that that's something over at paulkarski.com, over at stackingtheinbox.com. Uh, I don't know what Trey wrote today. I haven't opened up my email. There's an article there, but yesterday, well, oh, we need to talk about the void years, the contracted, the contracts that went up for those uh, four players on Monday. Uh, that's yeah. up, and then also deep dive into the offensive staff. Tomorrow will be defensive staff, and I'm not sure what Stoney has up his sleeve for Film Friday, but I'll tell you what we do have up our sleeve is that me and Stoney next Monday night are going to uh, meet up over at his house. Now, it's not going to be live, but it is going to be for Stacking Inbox subscribers where he is going to take me through his process of breaking down film on uh, prospects. So we, we're gonna, he's going to take me through the process, and that'll be something for you guys at stackinginbox.com for your subscribers to watch and to kind of get a look behind the scenes of what goes into Stoney's process of breaking down prospect film. Something really cool that we want to do for the masses. Um, Mike, anything else you got plugged? Um, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, no, no random podcast appearance for you this week. I mean, you, you like you talk a, podcasts all the time, man. I did a lot of podcasts the last, well, I don't know. There's, there's like a week. I, I can't remember if it was last week or the week to, before, to be honest with you, but I did a lot of podcast appearances and I was like, I kept, I started to like lose track of them and then I'd get a, a, a message from somebody and they'd be like, Hey, are you ready to go? And I'm like, Oh shit, that's now. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I did a, a tour there, uh, for a minute. I don't know what it was. You were, you were, you were making the rounds, the press tour. Um, so Mike, the coach, uh, offensive coordinator, Nick Holtz, defensive coordinator, Denard Wilson spoke to the media. Colt Anderson has been hired a special teams coordinator. They made a bunch of hires official. They've hired, uh, Scott fucks from, uh, <laughs> Kansas. Are we who going with that? is the assistant i am hey listen there's a guy in our comments i don't that's his name's nick fucks and i'm calling him nick fucks and it's football and other f words so i call him scott fucks and right. um uh the kansas uh, off university of kansas offensive lineman assistant offensive line coach now for the tennessee titans uh they also hired as a defensive analyst uh, steve donatell who is uh ed donatell who has a working relationship with um brian callahan from denver so, see, look, Nick fucks. He's right there in the comments. You know, Scott fucks. Nick fucks. There we go. Bunch of is fucks. he Scott? Is he Scott fucks when when it's going well? And then he's uh, he, what what happens when he Ukes. when the special team sucks? And then he gets. Uh, I don't know. Now, I I need to say this. Well, there is teams, some. Uh, line. I I can't figure it out. And maybe someone in the comments. There's about we got a lot of people in the in watching this at home. Um. There is a character of some sort, whether it's on TV show or movie, and his last name is Fuchs, and they call him Fuchs all the time, and that's is what they refer to him as. And I can I cannot remember who it is. I don't know if it's a I cartoon got, I got or something, but maybe someone can do it. Um, either way, they made a lot of hires. All their hires are official now. Uh, of course, we know that they're official because the Titans tweet, tweeted it out, but then also every other media account. There it is, Barry. That's it. Yes. Barry Fuchs on Barry. 
is who it is. Uh, that's it was driving me nuts. Um, but either way, and then all the local media guys they also tweeted it out because they can't help themselves and just retweet. Anyway, your thoughts. Let's start with this. I think the press conferences went about how I thought they would go as far as the personality, the answers, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But how wet did you get over the General George Patton quote? Because uh, apparently, if you're a white guy, you fucking love that quote by Denard Wilson. <laughs> you know, honestly, it wasn't even that that got me like excited. Uh, it, it was just Denard Wilson's whole demeanor, uh, the way he answered the questions, what what he said about, you know, hey, we're going to be an attacking style defense, all the stuff. I mean, it's it's everything that you want to hear, right? Um, and delivered in a way that, like, I just thought it was so clear that this guy has a presence about him. It's no wonder that that players respond to him. He's a very good communicator, you can already tell. Um, yeah, completely over the moon about the whole Denard Wilson thing. Uh, you know, I, I was a big fan of the hire to begin with, um, and that press conference certainly did nothing to cool off my uh, my burning fire for Denard Wilson. So, um, yeah, thrilled with him. Couldn't have gone better. That that was an A-plus press conference uh, yeah. if I ever saw one. Well, and it gave you a lot. Of, I think both of these gave you a lot of information if you're able to stay awake through the Nick Holtz press conference. Uh, yeah. I see Square Up says it put him to sleep. Listen, <laughs> listen, you guys, if, if you were a Bobby Slowick head coach guy, that was your that was your future, like like that was your press conference future was Nick Colts because they are the they they almost kind of look the same, uh they they talk the same they sound the same they have the same cadence that was that was your future head coach in Nick Colts now, press conference wise, yeah but I think they both gave away a lot of information. Brian Callahan is uh he's not a secret keeper. He's not. He's going to tell you everything. I think mostly that you are going to want to know about the X's and O's and the, the process and the thought logic. He may not tell you all the answers, but he's going to give you some good insight. Nick Colts gave you some good insight into Will Levis and what he liked about Will Levis. But as I described him as Kmart, uh, Bobby Slowick, <laughs> apt nickname. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think that yeah. fits. I think that fits really well. And look, I mean. He's not a super dynamic personality, obviously. Um, you know, certainly not like Denard Wilson, uh, not even like Brian Callahan. Like Callahan, you know, Callahan's a little dry relative to like what we're used to with Vrabel, frankly. But um, but Callahan at least has a little bit more. Do you think he's more know, dry like than Vrabel? Verb. Or are you just well, kind of used to saying? Well, I think I think Vrabel's a little. He's like bit a more nice dynamic. dry. He's like a nice Riesling, a dry Riesling. Well, I just think Vrabel's a little bit more dynamic as a speaker. Now, like the amount of information he was going to give you was never going to be good. So I, I think we'll prefer hearing from Callahan because he'll actually talk to the media and not treat them as like, you know, this this necessary evil that that he has to like, you know, keep at arm's length, at, you know, at all times for for fear of, you know, some other team getting hold of you know, his actual thought process on something. Um, so I think we'll li like listening to Callahan better, but I, I do think Rabel's a little bit more dynamic of a personality overall. It'll be interesting to see uh, Nick Holtz get his sea legs under him because he, he, if you go on YouTube, he only has like one video 
And it was a sit down pre-recorded, you know, video and it's four minutes long. And that was four minutes too long. So he's a guy that hasn't been out in front of the camera. So it'll be well, fun to watch tell, his yeah. progression, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, for for everything we've heard about him, he's a really good communicator. Uh, he's a really good, he gets really along well with the players. He's very genuine and authentic. And maybe this is his genuine, authentic self. Maybe he is the nerd or the guy they kind of all pick on in the group of Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor, Press Taylor, and Brian Callahan, because they all party, right? I mean, like, maybe he's just that, he's just the guy in the group, right? There's always that one guy in the group that everybody kind of picks on that's just a really nice guy, and they all like him, but he's just an easy target. I have to keep reminding myself that this guy played wide receiver in college at the University of Colorado. Hit it it well. I mean, they hit it off so well because they they, they had the same hairline, (laughs) <laughs> they probably played in they're probably you know hunter renfro and him are probably the same age they're both 37 so uh or 39 however old <laughs> hunter renfro is at the moment but that's probably why they hit it up but this good sign for cal phillips though who's also got a receding hairline but this is a good sign for cal phillips going forward uh a forgotten man in the wide receiver discussion which we'll kind of talk about all that later um colt anderson is hired i swear to god i just banned this cristiano FC who keeps asking us to see he must have gone to a different YouTube video. Uh, so anyway, Cold Anderson hired yes. for the Tennessee Titans as special teams coordinator. He was my likely candidate over at stackinginbox.com because he's he's only been in the league for a little bit. I think it's four or five years. But all those years, he's been with one of the best special teams coaches in the NFL, which is the Bengals special teams coach. I think it's a really good hire. I, I I don't know really where the experience comes from for that side of the ball, but maybe it just comes from Nick Folk. But I don't really know how much experience you need to be a special teams coordinator if you just know, you know, how to block punts, which uh, Craig Ackerman did not know. And he's been in the league way longer, did not know anything about special teams. So sometimes experience doesn't really matter. Sometimes special teams coaches may or may not matter. Maybe this could be the next Dave Tobb. And maybe he is the next Craig Ackerman. I don't know. But I kind of like taking a chance on a younger guy at that particular uh, position because I feel like the players that you're getting on special teams, for the most part, are the younger guys trying to make the team, trying to find their spot, the back-end guys. So to me, I feel like Cole Anderson, who has a good pedigree, who was a good special teamer himself, special team player himself, I feel like, to me, this is a good hire for a good young team. What are your thoughts? Do you really have any thoughts? I, I honestly don't have, like, super strong thoughts on Cole Anderson. I mean, look, he was, he's not that far removed from playing in the NFL, right? I, I think he was uh, with the Bills in 2017 was kind of his last stop, and I don't know if he tried to stick around after that or not. Um, but it seems like he, he you know, was out of the league for a few years and then got into coaching with the Bengals. Um, you know, it's interesting. He and, uh, and Anthony Levine, who I guess will be his assistant mm-hmm. or primary assistant on special teams, uh, are about the same age. And, and both of them had playing careers that, that lasted, you know, more than just a, a cup of coffee. Right. I mean, he, even sticking in the league as long as, as Colt Anderson did, which was from 29 to 2009 to 2017, 
that's a, a significant NFL career, which primarily was because of his special teams contribution. So well, look at what they the Patri- Patriots did over Matt Slater. I mean, they basically threw the guy a fucking parade. I'd never yeah. seen a special teams player get so much love from a team like the Patriots gave Matt Slater. I mean, my God. Well, yeah, and Slater is probably, if not the best special team, like special team specialist. Uh, that was not a kicker that we've seen in the last 20 years. Um, he's, he's a pretty special dude in a lot of respects, and and I do like him. Um, but yeah, it was it was, it was a little overkill. What's your favorite overkill. Matthew Sl- Matt Slater uh, play? What's your favorite uh, Matthew Slater play? I don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't there know. you go. Uh, you sure uh, do like him. But I I do think that yeah I I think it's interesting having a little bit younger guys there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that there's like strong feelings either way. Um, we'll see. Like I, and I told, I told you guys, (laughs) I think the last time we were on here that I wasn't going to have strong opinions on the special teams coordinator, most likely, because I, I'm not going to say that I like closely study special teams, uh, schemes and things like that and have really strong opinions on which ones I'd want to copy. So, um, the Bengals seem to be pretty good at special teams. I know, uh, you know, Evan McPherson kicks them through the uprights a whole lot. Uh, which is probably more of an Evan McPherson thing than a Colt Anderson thing, but they seem to be doing well enough that that it's worth copying or, or trying to bring some of that in. So I, you know, perfectly happy with with Colt Anderson as long as he doesn't get uh, Ryan Stonehouse's leg broken. So yeah, uh, Square Up says any history with Steve Donatell? Yes, his dad Ed Donatell is a former defensive coordinator for the Vikings, but he was also secondary's coach for the most part his whole NFL career that uh, cross paths with Brian Callahan in Denver. Um, Steve also uh, was a defensive analyst or assistant or quality control coach, one of those things for Stanford for a long time. And that would be the David Shaw connection between David Shaw and Brian Callahan as well. And then, of course, um, there's also... Going to get it. Uh, He was an outside linebackers coach at University of Tennessee Chattanooga. So there you go. 2018 uh, outside linebackers coach. So um, probably a guy that they are going to rise up into the ranks. He'll be a position coach probably sooner rather than later. But that's a guy to keep your eye on. That's about it. Uh, I don't think there were any big surprises as the people they kept on. Um, I, th- I think keeping Lori Locust was smart. I think keeping Chris Harris was smart. Justin Otten was a tiny bit surprised, but he's going back to his natural position, which is tight ends coach, which I kind of want to talk about because if if you if you're not a subscriber to Stacking Inbox, I brought this up in that my article about the offensive position coaches. And I think this is a really good thing for both Chigo Conco and Josh Wiley because for those that may not know. The tight end coaches are involved in the run blocking, pass blocking game because you, guess what? Your tight ends have to run block and pass block, right? So let me re- reiterate that. He was run game coordinator. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting my position. He was run game coordinator. And so your tight ends are involved in the coordination of the run game or as far as like learning how the run game is coordinated and how it works because they both block in and all that kind of stuff. In the in the run game, Oof, I really fucked that up. Sorry, everybody. Uh, but either way, the reason I think that's good is because he obviously already knows how to communicate to both Chig and Josh Wiley. They have a relationship with him, and so that kind of gives him a leg up on other tight end position, uh, other potential position coaches for tight end because of that. So I just wanted to throw that out there that I think that is a good keep. Um, thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I would agree. I I, I think Justin Otten is um, largely well thought of around the league. Um, he did a lot of good things when he was with the Packers uh, for um, Robert Tunyon, who produced well over what I think his talent level was for them, as well as, you know, like they had Mercedes Lewis and Mercedes Lewis, like, you know, you don't get a whole lot of credit uh, for making Mercedes Lewis into an awesome blocker because he just is. But but the Packers blocked well from a tight end position group when Otten was with the Packers in that role. So I think him going back there is a good thing. Um, And look, tight ends coach, there's two position coaches that are really feeders for offensive coordinator roles. And it's quarterbacks coach, obviously, and tight ends coach. Those are where most of your offensive coordinators come from. So I think that's kind of a spot where he's kind of an offensive coordinator and waiting uh, potentially for potentially here, you know, if, if, if Nick Holes some somehow becomes like, a uh, you know, a, a hot coaching candidate, which would surprise me, but, um, you never know. Or if, you know, Justin Auden could have an opportunity elsewhere sooner rather than later, I think, but I do think it's good to keep him around. I also like that they kept Luke Stocker who, uh, earned, you know, really positive reviews from what I understand, uh, as a coach. Is he coaching uh, the fullbacks? No, he no, no he is uh, I think off, general I think offensive joke. assistant. Um, but I'm sure he'll be mostly working with the tight ends as well. Goal, he's um, going to be the goal goal, goal line uh, coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, just at the <laughs> one yard line. Yes, well, this yeah. is the one we got to give it to Josh Wiley at the one yard line. That's exactly right. Um, but I do like that they kept Stalker because I, I think Stalker, from what I understand, has, has earned strong reviews early on as a coach and uh, could have a future here um, as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's good that they kept him on. They've hired Randy Jordan, who has uh, the teams that he's been a part of as running back coach. They have drafted a running back in every draft except for one. So that's nine out of ten, by the way. Um Titans obviously need a running back, and we'll talk more about the running back that is probably not coming back. Um, but I like that they brought in guys, brought in, I love the mix of this entire staff. And maybe we'll just use Randy Johnson as a, or Randy Jordan, who I've called Randy Johnson numerous times and have typed to Randy birds. Johnson and did not catch it. Yeah, exploding birds. Randy Jordan, um, and I, I like that they bring in a couple of guys that Bill Callahan is familiar with, especially a running back offensive line coach tandem. I really like that. Yeah. A guy that seems to the guys that he drafts, I feel like are a little bit more complete running backs in terms of the three phases and all that kind of stuff. Uh, guys that he famously drafted with Samaj P. Ryan, who has turned into uh, uh, had like a second half of his career over at the uh, with the Bengals and Denver and different stops. Uh, you also have um, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, who's a free agent. And I am all, I don't know if he, he's on your article. <laughs> he's, I didn't bring cover, Antonio I didn't, Gibson back to Tennessee. I didn't uh, he cover was a running backs because I got yeah. to like 5,000 words and I was like, I've got to stop. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say Antonio Gibson is somebody that I've thought about. Um, oh my gosh, I'd be so happy. Would be an interesting fit with Tajay Spears because I think they're kind of similar-ish um, as far as Which what they what can I, do. I keep saying, this is what you want. Yeah, that you, you can want, just interchange. You want to have someone backs. that can do it all, yeah. and they, they both can do it all in, to varying degrees. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, so I do think he's someone to keep on the radar. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would certainly think that he would be an option. Although, you know, like if you don't think there's a did, stack in the inbox article coming about Antonio Gibson, where there's like three thousand words about one of my favorite players that <laughs> never gets the love that he deserves. I'm sure there will not be three thousand. Although there's a couple guys, and I think so. Gibson's one, and then I think um, Darnell Mooney is one. Your other boy that I wonder how what they actually feel about their former (laughs) coach. uh, In that Antonio Gibson was benched essentially for Brian Robinson ultimately in Washington under Randy Jordan's watch. So like, was Randy Jordan a part of that call? And that's the question, right? right? Like, how much of that is him? Because you talk about Calvin Ridley is another guy that you're kind of like, well, what does Nick fucks or <laughs> Nick holes, Nick you're holes, your holes in your fucks. I get all my, everything mixed up. Nick Holtz think about Calvin Ridley because a lot of people have blamed Calvin Ridley for problems. What does Tyke Tolbert think of Darnell Mooney? It'll be interesting if they enter into free agency and you hear that, well, the Titans were in on said player or whatever, or the Titans are bringing in blah, 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 whatever you hear. That's a good sign that, well, now you kind of know what the situation was prior. Yeah. 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 Cause we, we just don't like Mooney. Mooney had a great year the year before Tolbert got there. And then his production and opportunity to like fell off a cliff the next few years. That may not have anything to do with Tolbert. That might have to do with the offensive staff above him. That might have to do with Justin Fields and what his preferences are and things like that. Uh, it might have to do with other players that they brought in, frankly. So I, I think that there's a lot of context that's in there. But you always wonder, like, you know, when you see a guy, I think a lot of times you can look at a guy and say, all right, well, he's been with this coach before and had success. They may want to to hook back up again. And, and that could be a benefit in free agency. Because you see it happen all the time where a guy is like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, um, I've had success under this guy. I know what to expect. That gives me some comfort level signing here. And it's a good fit. Um, or even you see that, okay, well, Ty Tolbert's here and Bill Callahan's here. If you're a wide receiver, you're uh, an offensive lineman. You're like, I know that people have had success under those two guys and gotten paid. So maybe right. I could be that next guy. Yeah. And I, I definitely think Callahan will have that kind of appeal generally, uh, even for guys that he necessarily hasn't crossed path, paths with already. Um, but yeah, there, there are some of those connections and, and I, I do think connections are important in free agency because some, you know, you just, it's not going to make the biggest difference. Like if, a if there's a strong evaluation on a guy and you know, they, they, a team just splashes money at them that ultimately ends up probably being the deciding factor most of the time. But if there's familiarity there and it's close, that can kind of be a tiebreaker. Um, and it could also dictate, you know, like if, if, you know, Tyke Tolbert is standing on the table for Darnell Mooney, or if, uh, you know, Bill Callahan is standing on the table for Nick Harris or, or, you know, somebody that he's, he's coached before and says, no, this guy is, we can, we can work with this. Um, that, that'll make a difference. I'm sure that'll go a long way, especially with, you know, Rand Carthon preaching collaboration and, and all of this stuff. I think the coaching staff will have an input um, and they would be smart to listen to the coaching staff. Uh, and get their input on these guys that they've they've coached before and know well uh, as far as yeah, what they bring. I to the would table. assume even if Rabel did that. Now, whether John yes, Robinson did that, <laughs> right? Yeah, Robinson. whether John Robinson actually listened <laughs> to anybody, it seemed like at some point John Robinson just became like a football dictator, and yeah, it was 
yeah, nobody, nobody can, <laughs> nobody knows better than, than God himself here. Uh, J. Yeah. Well, speaking of God himself, Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor, the God of liquor stores here in Hendersonville, <laughs> Tennessee. Um, I want to talk about our process real quick, and and I don't want to spend a lot of time in it, but you know, I, I talked about earlier it's for stacking inbox paid subscribers. At some point next week, you're going to get a video of me sitting down with uh, Stony. He's going to take me through his process of watching film. Um, I have my own process. So I just wanted. To, I, I feel like there are people that just talk and and say stuff and. They either did not watch film or they don't know what they're watching. And and listen, there is a learning curve to watching film. I don't know everything about watching film. You and Stoney and, and TD and guys like that are probably your levels above. So I'm always asking questions, not really saying like, well, this is what I see. And you have to take me at my, at my word. If I, if I get, I always kind of bounce. I watch something that bounce it off someone. I'm like, well, what did you see? Did you watch this game? What did you see? So my process is, is I go through, I, I don't have the capacity that people do like Stoney. Stoney is watching the Georgia Southern tackle right now. I think his name is Travis Gibson. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And I, and like, that is how deep he goes, right? Yeah. yeah. Travis Glover. That's okay. how deep he goes. Okay. Uh, I do not go that deep. Uh, I try to keep it in like the top 150, but I kind of keep it. I'm not watching like I'm not watching the quarterbacks this year, but I watched the quarterbacks a couple of years ago during the Malik Willis draft. So I kind of consolidate. And then the way I communicate what I see is not only saying what I personally see, but then I look, I communicate with stats. So a lot of people think, well, you're not watching a film. You're just being a stat guy. Well, no, I, I do both, but I communicate better and, and convey my thoughts better through numbers and um, so that's kind of like my process in it is like eyes first, data second, and then your combine because the combine is just right in the corner. Then your combine testing. Like, does your does your data back up what you see on film, and does what the combine testing back up what you see in the data, what you see in film? Because you can carry all those things across, and but it all goes back to validating what you see on film. Yeah, and that's definitely. how I do it. Uh, yeah, and I feel the same way. Like from watching a film standpoint, from an, a player evaluation angle, yeah, to me, I almost prefer, um, or really not almost, I I do prefer when I can watch a player without really having a ton of preconceived notion of like what that player is, because I do think we get into this echo chamber thing where mm -hmm. you have a few of the big voices on Twitter. And, and I, I think a lot of the people that talk about, you know, watching film and, and things like that, really what they're doing is watching clips that, that people compile on Twitter. And then or they're, they're reading the articles and acting like and kind of convey they're like reading articles or other people's scouting reports, because I've seen that yeah. a lot lately. It's like, well, I've read this and I've read that. And so that is my opinion now. Yeah, or yeah, that yeah. is a fact because so I read it from someone else. That must be a fact. Yeah. And who knows and, who they read it from? And I don't have any problem with people listening to smart accounts or or taking someone else's evaluation and and um right. and and putting stock in that. But I just don't like it when people represent that as well. I watched the film and this is my opinion, but it's really not. <laughs> but it's really based on this other guy's opinion who actually watched the film. Um, so 
yeah, I think there is a lot of that that goes on out there. But I, I think we end up in this big group think deal where, you know, a player gets this reputation on Twitter or, or in the football, you know, uh, community generally. And every you can't go against that. You know, like people people just decide that, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to watch the film, but now I'm – looking for what everyone else is talking about right and i think that is you kind of poison the well uh when you do that with a player um you know the best way is is to go in going i don't really know much about this guy let me just watch him and see what my my takeaway is and in the best you know really when i i have done the most comprehensive analysis of of different positions and and i'm like you i don't i don't go to the like the Northwestern State Community College level of, of evaluating guys. Um, Listen, Stony will he'll do some <laughs> NSFW stuff to get some like you know some weird tape. I don't know what he yeah. does, but he gets some weird and and that you need that though. Like yeah. to me, there is there's nobody right now that is probably putting in the work in this market that Stony is. Now, there's going to be people that say that, you know, well, I, I talk every day or I do this on the radio or I do this on on TV. Nobody's putting in the work better than Stoney. That's how you get guys like Puka Nakua on your radar, Tajay Spears before everybody else, because Stoney is putting in the work yeah. like Puka, Puka Nakua was on his radar before anybody else and before the Rams drafted him or anything. And yeah. and he's he's really big on this Travis Glover kid. He's watching the tape versus LSU. You know, there's there's guys like that that are, to me, you are. You're accepting a crown, Stoney. Uh, but to me, nobody puts in the work when it comes to draft prospect profiles because he does it year-round. I mean, this guy is, like, staying up late every night doing work <laughs> that nobody else is willing to do. And, they're like, I think a lot of people are reliant on the relationships with, you know, agents or past players or something like that, reliant on other people's information and not put in their own work because, and I think a perfect example is Roma Dunze, right? I, I, I get a little peeve, even though I do like Kratos the fourth on Twitter who retweets my, my RAS score about Roma Dunze, like every two hours. But <laughs> You know, me and Stoney were kind of talking about Roma Dunze up in the senior bowl. He's like, I haven't really dived in. I don't really know if he's a blue chip prospect or not. And then he goes and watches the film uh, about a week or so later. The film Friday's up at uh, Stacking Inbox. He's like, dude's a blue chip player. And I think he's number three, if I recall correctly, on his big board. And I think the problem with me is like, I think there's this narrative out there that he can't separate. And he has yeah. no speed to separate. I, and I don't think I that's that's a real narrative. And there is a clip from a mission. I think it was a Michigan state game that Stoney had up and from the snap, the Michigan state corner already had his hips turned. Like that's how much they feared Roma Dunze, right? His speed, his athleticism, that guy did not have to turn his hips. There's another play where they have Roma Dunze go completely diagonal. Now, I don't know if you know this. Some people may not know this. Your, your TVs are measured diagonally. So a 56-inch TV is diagonally a lot bigger than what you would measure width-wise. And he goes completely diagonal the full length of the field in a normal, like, 2.5 seconds. And so to me, I feel like wrote this, this idea that Roma Dunze doesn't have 
the athleticism to separate at the NFL level, I think is is a one of those echo chamber things. Yeah, I would agree with that. People, yeah, people talk like he's Keon Coleman or something like that, who I do think has real separation uh, questions. Although Ke- Keon Coleman, my friend, I tell you, there's a- some real issues with Keon Coleman, and I see that uh, someone's asking about him in the second round. But let me say this, I. I- so here's where data kind of comes in. I really like what I've seen about Keon Coleman highlight-wise, right? Yeah. So I go back and I watch a few games. And I'm like, man, he just really isn't getting that separation. He really isn't doing a lot for Florida State, right? He, the offense as a whole. So I came across this dissertation where this guy took your average GPA in college, okay, per season. So every season and compared that to your average GPA in the NFL. And there's a strong correlation that if you get above 30 EPA, you're likely to get 30 EPA per season, which is a very good mark in the NFL. Okay, so that 30 is elite, 20 is good enough. Okay, Keon Coleman is at 5.2, and and so the, he, um, I think it was, give me one second. 17 receivers cracked Dane Brugler's top big board recently. He was dead last out of those 17. So I think I'm out on the Keon Coleman train when I look at the film matched with the data. When you take those two things, I think I'm out on Keon Coleman because I know he's going to kill the combine. I think yeah. I'm out on him. He, he's going to kill the combine. He's also, I think, still 20 years old. Um, so he's a really young prospect, which you know tends to be um, helpful for a guy's draft stock. So I, I think he's still going to go probably into round one or maybe top of round two, but I'm not sure he fits what the Titans need him to be because to me he is Traylon Burks like he he is Traylon Burks again uh as a prospect um and I just don't think that that's the the fit that the Titans that same article warned everybody about Traylon Burks by the way because this was from the Traylon Burks draft and it warned everybody that because and I can't get the data. You have to like have a data engineer <laughs> get this data from Sports Info Solutions. But yeah. it talks about the other big attribute is uh, performance against press coverage. Mm-hmm. And he only had 22 uh, routes ran against press coverage, and his his EPA and all that kind of stuff was trash. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just just and and I kind of agree with Z Dean. I'm not as high on ad mitchell as many other analysts but i still like him in the second round and i think that's where the discussion has to go right it's like do you think he's a good first round or second round wide receiver i think a guy that i'm i haven't started watching yet that i'm i'm wanting to would be troy franklin that's a guy that i have not watched i'm really really wanting to watch yeah i haven't dug deep on troy franklin yet either i i kind of see troy franklin in the same mold as like Xavier Worthy uh, and the, you know, extremely linear uh, players, great straight line speed, all that stuff. Now, now Worthy's got some wiggle to his game. I'm not sure on Franklin, whether, you know, how much of that exists for him. Um, But that's, that's, those are the guys that I think are going to be in that mix at 38. If the Titans do go offensive line in the first round, I think it's going to be that AD Mitchell, Keon Coleman, uh, Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin kind of class, uh, that, that's not, I mean, cause Brian Thomas Jr. is going to go in the first round. I, I don't think there's like any doubt about that at this point. He's clearly the fourth guy to me, uh, after those top three. Um, so I think that's going to kind of be what you're hoping for if, if you go offensive line early, but, um, yeah, I guess to get in, and by the way, I, 
I haven't really finalized things because I need to go back and watch some more Marvin Harrison Jr. But after watching Malik Neighbors pretty closely, I, I'm having a hard time seeing why he's not wide receiver one, to be honest. Um, I, I think he's going to be my top guy uh, at, at the end of the day here. Well, I talked about EPA per season, right? And being, yeah. you know, 30 being the elite. He's number one. Malik Neighbors is, here's your top three. Malik Neighbors at 46.4 EPA per season. So this includes seasons where they're not the official starter, by the way. 46.4 per season. Troy Franklin's number two at 42.3. And Marvin Harrison is number three at 41.9. So just to throw that out there. Now, listen, Malik Neighbors, you know, his three seasons dating back from this past year to uh, 2021 is like 82, 44, and 12. So like he, he, he got better, but... I'm with you. I really think that Malik Neighbors should be in conversation to being the as being the number one wide receiver, and that may be the surprise of the draft. I don't want to spend too much time on that because we got plenty of time to go. Sure. Um, but I do. I want to preach common sense. I would be very careful of certain accounts that do not put their name or their face to the account that you've never seen presenting stuff as fact. Not presenting stuff. I'm okay with presenting stuff as opinion. In my opinion, such and such player does such and such thing well. I'm okay with that. But people who present it as fact are very dangerous at this time of year and spread misinformation. So I just want you have to use some common sense when you're when you're going through this. And I would just not interact with those accounts because you're just going to even if you're to tell them that they're you know dumb or an idiot. And listen, I do it too. I do it a lot. And I'm trying to be better at it. But even if you do, that is still giving them a platform and giving them what they want, which is attention. So just be very careful out there. It's that time of year. Fake accounts pop up. Right? NFL rooms. Uh, yeah. The yeah. NFL rooms, the aggregator, the fake the aggregators. JPA football. And yeah. All that kind of things. stuff. But there's even people that are trying to do this in the local media. If, if they're a new account, they're on their way if they are truly put in the work to being a, a something you could trust. Just don't go ahead and just take them like at their word just because they're a Titans account, like a Titans fan account or whatever. And especially when it comes to contracts, guys, I don't like to toot my own horn or anything. I, in fact, I, yes, I do. I like to toot the horn all the time. I, I'm just gonna say I don't think anybody puts in the work or does the contract work quite like I do. Don't. Don't fall for the trap of these people who I, A to Z, they A to Z has hired salary cap gurus. And they said like Derrick Henry was like two year, $20 million deal. And I just wanted to get drive wherever those two idiots are at. Not, not Zach and, and I don't think it's anybody in Nashville, by the way, but whoever these two idiots that they hired and destroy them because they, and then like it prevents everything to not send like a dissertation to Jared Stillman on 102.5, because that guy has no clue about the fucking cap. And the stuff that well, he, he says... Well, he just says it's not real, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. So just be very careful. There are very few people in Titans media that you need to trust when it comes to some of this stuff. And I think two of them are right here. Now, toot our horns, and I'll toot your horn for you. <laughs> Thank, you. Uh, Thank you. But speaking of all this misinformation and stuff, um, I want to talk about... The, the wide receiver discussion that's kind of driving me nuts, but in a different way. Iuke is going to play for the San Francisco 49ers. T. Higgins is going to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm convinced 
There's no reason for it. IUK, if they get an extension done this year, they save about $10 million against the cap. There's no reason that they couldn't get an extension done. And people who are like, well, what about the cap next year and all that kind of stuff? People will get cut over time. People will get restructured over time. Their cap is not – what it is right now is not going to be what it is next year by the they end have, of this offseason yeah. anyway. They've cap got Brock Purdy. Yeah. yeah, the salary cap hasn't even been settled yet. It was – everybody projected it at 252 or 255, right? And then it came down to 241 or 242, and now they're saying it's going to be closer to 250. Like, the cap yeah. hasn't been settled yet. Right. So, which, which, I mean, in all that. And I don't know that that number really matters that much, by the way. Like, cause I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Titans actually might benefit from it being lower um, just because the teams at the bottom, you know, will be more crunched. Whereas the Titans, who are at the top of the salary cap available, that makes their dollars worth more relative to the rest of the league. When the rest of the league doesn't have any money and you've got a bunch of money, uh, I think that's better than what the alternative would be if, if everybody's got money and you just have slightly more money. Um, so yeah. I, I think ultimately it's better for the Titans if it's a little bit lower, even if everyone, you know, everyone's going to want it to be higher because they want to see the, Oh, we've got 70 million. It likely will. Cause they do. Yeah, I think it will be, yeah. For those that don't know, they, they get the new media, they get all, they get all the rights and agreements in from the external sources of revenue. And then they sit down with the NFLPA and they all have this big discussion and brouhaha about what the cap's going to be set at, and then the cap is set. And then, of course, the, you know, every year the cap goes up and all the kind of stuff. So, in saying all that, Brandon Ayuk is going to be there, right? Like, that that to me is, he is their wide receiver one, and I don't think, and I think if you look at the targets over the last two years, look at the yards and all that kind of stuff, the data backs that up. He's become their wide receiver one, and he's a wide receiver one in the NFL. D. Higgins is a wide receiver, too. So, like, here's where I want to take this discussion. Because there's a discussion out there that T. Higgins is this all-time great deep ball threat. He's better than IU. They've been better since they both entered in the league. And me and you, we've both been fans of both when they were coming into the draft. But we were higher on Brandon IU than we were anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are higher on Ayuk than we were T. Higgins. Yeah. And we have been Ayuk fans this whole time. So when you talk about comparing careers, Ayuk has a higher yards per reception, an all pro, a higher reception percentage, a higher yards after catch per reception, per reception, lower drop percentage, and a higher EPA per target and points earned per route than T. Higgins. There is nothing, there is nothing out there in my mind data-wise, or on film that suggests that T. Higgins is better than Brandon Ayuk. Am no, I wrong in that? Absolutely not. And, and, and he's done it all, catching passes from Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, while T. Higgins has had Joe Burrow. And, and look, I mean, I think Brock Purdy's actually, you know, a pretty good quarterback, but he's not as good as Joe Burrow. And, and I know Kyle Shanahan's a great offensive wizard and puts his players in position to succeed, all that. Guess what? So does Zach Taylor. I mean, like, it's not like the Bengals are struggling offensively or, or stuck with some archaic system. In fact, they throw the ball a lot more than forty than uh, San Francisco does. Um, so, you know, there's more opportunities for Higgins to theoretically catch passes. I think Ayuk is very Higgins has clearly more better. targets and more routes run during their, his four years in Ayuk. So that should tell you right there how the offenses are deployed 
over in San Francisco versus Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you look at, you know, how those guys in the trajectory as well, like Ayuk has been on this very clear upwards trajectory through his first four years. He stays on the field pretty much constantly. Um, he's a hell of a run blocker. Not that we need to get off into that, you know, tangent anymore, but um, he does all the stuff that you want him to do. He wins on routes. You Never know, has to come off the field. Yes. Yeah. He, he is to me the very clear, better player overall than Higgins. And I get Higgins is bigger and all that, but I mean, I, I just I really don't, don't think that, that matters. And, and the reason we're discussing this, so I could just take a pause. Neither of these guys are going to be a two-tone blue. <laughs> okay. Hey, right, right, right. And we're nice. I, but I, I'm using this as kind of a tie-in back to looking at film, looking at data, and using common sense, is that I don't understand this idea that Ayuk is not the better player. I, I, I There's nothing that backs that up. I mean, no. even if you look at 2023, right? Just take 2023. He got, Ayuk got less cushion from the defender, but had more separation. Okay? So he is better in that regard, too. And this idea that T. Higgins is a deep ball catch artist, well, if you go back to 2023, so anybody that tells you that he is a jump ball specialist is just looking at a few highlights that he had. And that's not to say that he's not a jump ball specialist, but as far as being a deep threat, this this idea that T. Higgins is a deep threat is he's got a 21.4% uh, reception rate on 20-plus deep balls thrown his way. 12.5% contested catch rate and a drop percent of 25%. That's horribly bad numbers for 2023. I mean, Gabe Davis has better numbers. Marquise Brown has better, has better numbers. And but Brendan Ayuk is 60% uh deep, 60% contested catch rate, and 11.8% drop rate. So he's better even deep than what people think. And he has a higher yards route run, yards per route run, and he has a higher contested catch percentage just on all levels of the field. I don't. I just have never understood this idea that T. Higgins is the because that's it's not about trading for him. It's not about the value that you have to trade for either of them. It's about just who's the better wide receiver, and it's clearly Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it is by a mile. Yeah, I, I think it's it's without a doubt. Um, like it's, it's to the point where like, it shouldn't even be a discussion. Um, even though I, I guess it is. Um, but to get back to your original point, yeah, I don't think either one of these guys are going to be in Tennessee because look, the Titans are not a, in a win now spot, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is a team that is building towards something in the future and trading draft they assets. Have told you that it may take three years. <laughs> right. It, it, trading draft assets for a guy like uh, Higgins, you know, just makes no sense to me when you should be trying to find your own T Higgins uh, in the draft, you know, somebody like, and Adnai Mitchell or, or someone like that, that you can plug in and have on a rookie contract for the next four years and have an ascending talent rather than a descending talent over the course of his, you know, next four years, which is what Higgins and even Ayuk likely will be before, you know, they get to 2027, 2028. The, the Titans are not on like this. I, you know, I, I, I went back through and part of my article, you know, kind of the lead into my article, for paulkowarski.com today 
was looking at all right, players who are guaranteed to be on the 53-man roster this season that are currently on the roster that are guaranteed. I came up with like 17 guys that I feel like have a 90% chance or better of being on, on the 53-man roster when Both the season kicks off. Both sides of the ball, yeah, total. Okay. Um, and, and that even includes guys that I feel like probably shouldn't be on the list. Like, like I think Jalen Duncan and Otis Reese were on there, uh, you know, which I probably, like, I think they're probably on the roster, which is why I included them there. But it's not like they're going to be starters, right? Like, those are not right. starters, most likely. Um, I came up with, like, nine starters, I think. Maybe or nine or ten starters. Um, that I feel like you can just say, all right, those guys are in place. So there's like 12 starting spots <laughs> sitting there that have to be filled this off season. This is, is not going to be like a, all right, well, the Titans are right back to, you know, being a 12 win team next year. You know, I just don't think that there's any way that that's happening. I think this is going to be a, a little bit of a build um from where they are today uh i think it's going to take them some time to arrive at their destination so i don't think they need to be doing things like trading draft picks for you know in their prime receivers to try to you know jump jump start this thing i, I think they need to be patient you've got your veteran receiver in deandre hopkins uh build around will levis with guys that are on will levis's timeline um i guess is, is my overall point so don't be trading draft capital for guys that are expensive and are going to require top of the market money. Like it's, it makes sense when like, I don't know, I guess teams like the Eagles do it, who have a good infrastructure and a good roster around and they can just inject hey, AJ way, Brown into it. But. Can I ask you a question yeah. about the, about the Eagles just real quick, by yeah. the way, Kevin Byard, uh, cap casualty. Yeah. Uh, he's who could have predicted that? Right. Yeah. Shocker. Um, maybe he'll want to sign back here. I did not bring him back. And I know they're going to be well, they're like, well, they should, they should bring Kevin Byard on the cheap contract. No, they should not bring Kevin Byard back. They should not be looking to the past. They should be looking to the future. Exactly. They need to be signing in the guys that they should be targeting in free agency. And, and I, I put together like a projected signings list, which if you want to, we can, we can talk about who's on that list just to, uh, go through it if you want. But out of all the guys that were on that list, I think I had two guys out of the nine who were like 29 or above. Um, everyone else was younger guys that are, right. you know, in their prime or, you know, hopefully even like Patrick Queen, uh, 24 years old, just entering his prime, really. Like the, those are the guys that they need to be targeting in free agency, not trying to grab a bunch of 30 something dudes that are at the end of their careers. Because what's the point? You're going to get one year out of them on a you know seven win team, and then then what? You get nothing. Um, so yeah, that's just not the uh, that's not the direction they need to be going. Like you said, forward, not backwards. So let me ask you a question because we're talking about these wide receivers and free agents and stuff. Yeah, and people don't like Gabe Davis. Yeah, but if you're if you're looking at these three wide receivers, Gabe Davis, um, Marquise Brown, Hollywood yeah. Brown, and um, Darnell Mooney. Yeah. I think you go Gabe Davis, right? I mean, like, if those were your three options, which is not, that's not how free agency works. 
But if those were your th- three options, it's Gabe Davis all over those other two, right? I mean, he's 6'3", 228. He's a deep ball threat. He's really good at the deep ball, and he's better than Marquise Brown at the deep ball as far as attacking the ball and getting reception and all that kind of stuff because Hollywood Brown, he's fast, but he doesn't really fit what Brian Callahan has necessarily... He's so small, and I that's don't true. feel like yeah. that's what Brian Callahan wants to have. So I, I feel like, to me, this is my... I'm Here's my flag I'm planting. Hollywood Brown is not coming to the Tennessee Titans. He does not fit what the Tennessee Titans wants, and he's not that good. There you go. There's my. I, so I think he is pretty good. Um, I don't think he's a lead or anything like that, but I, I think he does you know a few specific things pretty well. I think his speed would be a huge deal for this offense, which is the one reason why I'm very intrigued by him. Um, but I do agree that people are sleeping on Gabe Davis uh, to a large degree because. I, and I mentioned this in my article for PK's website. Gabe Davis doesn't have like the speed, um, the, at least as far as like the the Hollywood Brown type of speed. Like he's not a four three guy; he's like a four five six guy. But he's won vertically consistently for the Bills. He's been their deep threat and successfully done that. And he's been extremely uh, consistent. He's also another guy like uh, Patrick Queen, who's just twenty four years old. Uh, so just now entering like his physical prime has some upside because if you look at, uh, you know, his usage across from Stefan Diggs and a guy that like soaks up 160 something targets, uh, you know, he has some projectable upside still, which is rare for free agents. So I do think people are sleeping on Gabe Davis a little bit, and I do think he would be a good fit particularly with what Brian Callahan has typically preferred, or at least what, what he's typically worked with anyways. We don't, we don't necessarily know that that was his preference, but it's been what he's been successful with, so you would imagine it would be, uh, at the wide receiver spot. Because you even go back to like, you know, those teams that, that he was with uh, in Denver for, uh, with Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas was, was their best receiver. Now, they also had a lot of success with, um, what, what was the uh, Manuel Sanders? Um, with that team who would be more kind of in that uh, Marquise Brown role. Um, so I know he's seen it worked before um, from, from that standpoint, but I do think, yeah, he's going to want guys that win outside the numbers. And that is what Gabe Davis does. So um, now Gabe Davis is a little bit limited in that he's like, you know, not the best separator in the short and intermediate areas and things like that. But, you know, you have DeAndre Hopkins to to give you a little bit of that. You, you can maybe find that in the draft as well, because this this is not going to be a either or thing. This is going to be an and thing as far as drafting and getting a free agent wide receiver, because you cannot go into 2024 relying on a Traylon Burks breakout that we have seen zero signs to believe is coming um, to to make your wide receiver group passable, right? Like you, you've got to go sign somebody. You've got to go draft somebody. And if Traylon Burks turns it on and makes one of those guys, you know, sit on the bench. Great. That's great. Um, but you cannot go in assuming that's going to be the case or assuming that he's going to give you anything more than, you know, a few hundred yards and, and, you know, some disappointing drops. Yeah. I don't, it, cause there's a lot of people that say Gabe Davis is, um, is limited I, I i don't think so i mean you're talking about a guy that has a you know a 62.2 reception percentage um sorry that was from 2022 uh but still i mean he has high reception percentages from the short medium and deep 
He's got really high marks and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't find that Davis is as limited when you're taking also into account what he costs you as a team. And I think Zedine said it, said it both, bet best. I could see Gabe Davis having similar production as a T Higgins for a fraction on the cost. And, and maybe there is similar production that could be had there. I think T Higgins is better than Gabe Davis for the record. I don't want people to misconstrue that. But I do think that when you take into cost for a team that is kind of where they're at and that T Higgins is not available. So when T Higgins is not available, you got to get fine. Maybe you find T Higgins 2.0 or T Higgins Jr. Diet T Higgins, however you want to call it. And then you go Gabe Davis. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I know a lot of people are like, well, his yards after catch aren't that great or whatever. I don't know if that necessarily means anything for this team anymore. Uh, I, I don't think total yak yards matter. Uh, yak per reception maybe does, but in total yak yards, I don't think for these guys that are bringing in, um, for these guys making the decisions in the front office, I don't feel like these guys are really worried about how much yak a guy has. They're worried about, and Gabe Davis has shown this in playoff games, can you be the guy in the final minutes that gets us the, the yardage or the touchdown that we need to win a game? And Gabe Davis is kind of that guy. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little torn on Davis because I do think that there's I don't think he's a complete receiver, and I, I don't think that there's any scenario where you sign him and then in you know when Hopkins his contract expires at the end of next season that Gabe Davis is your wide receiver one and you're really happy about that. Um, well, no, no, no. Like Gabe I, Davis is not the solution to anything. Correct. So I, I think that there's limits to because I think Higgins does have that kind of upside. Um, and and I know you're not saying that he's better, but I think that there's a distinct like tier difference um, there. And and I do think Davis is some of his efficiency metrics are concerning like his yards per route run are not good um and that's been pretty consistent over the course of his career and i i wonder how much of that is what he was asked to do and how he was asked to do it in the bills offense cuz he was the deep threat he was you know largely uh you know asked to run clear outs to to get you know help get Stefan Diggs open and help get you know Dawson Knox open or help get uh, Dalton Kincaid open that kind of thing uh, in those intermediate routes. So like, I, I think that there's some aspect of that that you wonder like, okay, well, if we asked him to do more, could he do it? But even if you go back to his college scouting reports and, and things like that, I mean, he is like a vertical down the field guy. And those were the concerns coming out is whether he could do more than that. And he hasn't really shown that he can do more than that so far in his NFL career. So I think he fits in the fact that he provides a very clear, value to this team and something that they need um i just wouldn't go totally crazy with the money thinking that there's some upside there's like a potential wide receiver one or anything like that like he is a decent wide receiver two um and i think he'll continue to be be paid as such and needs to be paid in a commensurate fashion (laughs) um but that you know, that's just a good. That's the real discussion people should be having when it comes to wide receivers of free agency. Is it is it Tyler Boyd? Is it Gabe Davis? Is it Darnell Mooney? Got you know? Is it someone else that we're not even thinking of right now? Because I mean, it may be someone that we're not even talking about. And uh, OTC valuation, 
uh track valuation they're they're both ridiculously high but then i remember that christian kirk got 18 million dollars and i'm like okay well maybe 12 million a year isn't isn't as high as what we think it is anymore so sometimes you have to adjust like you have to keep your it your looks perception. high sometimes yeah. but it's not really maybe that high uh curtis samuel seems like a great fit i'm out on curtis samuel i've i've been trying to be a believer in Curtis Samuel, but he can't stay healthy and he doesn't really produce a lot. So I think I'm, I think I'm out. I think now if you're the Tennessee Titans of old, Curtis Samuel would probably be a great fit, but I I feel like this new team, I don't, I don't know about Curtis Samuel. I think I'm out on Curtis Samuel. I'm out on Hollywood Brown. Uh, I mean, when you're really looking at the wide receivers that are legitimately going to hit the market, you draft one, but you need one. You need a few in this market that aren't in WI. You need a few there in this market. But I think also people are forgetting about Kyle Phillips as well. But we'll see. Uh, and, we'll see. And I think that we also have to keep an eye on the buyout market, or not the buyout market, but the I'm, I'm thinking in NBA terms, but uh, the uh, cut market. Um, so there's going to be a few. Um, I think, you know, Hunter Renfro and Allen Robinson are near locks to be released. Um, I don't think either Oof, one of those. I know those, neither of those names fits. really do it for me. <laughs> I, you know, Renfro, I could see like maybe with the holes connection and all that. Um, but got, but I got, mean, he's like Kyle Phillips, you got, you got you Hunter, know, yeah. souped up a little bit. Um, and then, you know, the other guys that are potential cut candidates, it seems likely based on what I understand that the Chargers are going to have to choose between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Mike Williams can't stay healthy. Neither can Keenan Allen, really. But I would kind of have some interest in Mike Williams if he became available, um, more so than Allen, just because Allen, you know, he's going to be, I think, 32 or 31 or something like that. He's getting up there. Um, I'm not. I'm not really interested in signing additional older receivers. Although Mike Williams is actually older than you think. Cause I think he's like 29 himself. Um, but I'd have some interest in Mike Williams on a shorter term deal. Uh, and then the other decision is going to be the Broncos. And I think it's not really a decision, but it's unlikely that Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton are both back in Denver. Uh, my guess is Tim Patrick is, this was is a couple of years ago. I've been option. the Tim I'd been on the Tim Patrick train for, you know, know, but he's injured. So I'm, I he, think I'm he's been yeah, in, injured for what, two straight years now, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's, there's going to be one of those guys likely on the market. It's possible Cortland Sutton also gets cut. Um, but he seems more of like a potential trade uh, piece. And I just don't. Yeah, good luck. Those again, guys are so not, unrealistic in Denver. Yeah, and I'm just not yeah, this is the same team that was trying to trade Jerry Judy for a first round pick. Uh yeah. you know, all the way up until like a few months. That ago. Up for him. Oh my god, what a nightmare that would have been. But, uh the morning glory show says rumor and I've seen a couple people mention Zay Flowers in relation to Hollywood Brown. Zay Flowers had I think thirty pounds on Hollywood Brown. They're totally two different style of players. Yeah, but bigger, bigger. The, I don't know who said that, but rumors were Rand loves Zay Flowers and it feel like Hollywood Samuel and Mooney fill that mold. This is from the morning glory show. Um Zay Flower, I Flowers, the prospect and the player that we saw in the NFL last year is light years ahead of any of those guys, in my opinion. Like, I I wouldn't see... Hollywood played a totally different style. Samuel's never been as good as Zay Flowers is. And Darnell Mooney is not in the same style, in my opinion, of play. I will Zay say, Flowers, 
I just looked it up. The flowers in, in Hollywood are about the same size. But you, you build-wise, you wouldn't think that. Same height. Flowers, well, no, same weight. Same weight, too. Uh, no, Hollywood Brown was 166 or something like that. And Zay uh, Flowers his, his weighed official, 182. His official <laughs> weight, Hollywood Brown's official weight is 180, according to the NFL. Well, where where do you see that? Because at the according combine, the he measured 166. Record. Yeah. 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 Well, those record. are, like, taken from – the team website. So I'm sure someone put that, but maybe he's gained, you know, 14 pounds, but that just means that Zay flowers will also gain some muscle and weight over the course, because at the combine, he weighed 166 pounds. Hollywood Brown did. And Zay flowers weighed 182 at the combine. I've got a, uh, I've got a 2020 article here talking about how uh, Marquise Brown put on 23 pounds in two months. Uh, yeah. Heading into that means Zay that, Flowers so. can too. Maybe Zay Flowers will be at 200 at some point in his Maybe. career later on down the road. But as far as where they were as prospects, none of those guys are anything like Zay Flowers, in my opinion. Zay Flowers was a guy who on tape played way bigger than any of these guys have played in the NFL today. And so I think they're they're totally different stylistically. He's a more, he's a more physical if, player without that, without that. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like when you talk about physicality, I would say that while the size is there, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers play with more physicality than either any of those guys. If you want to lump someone maybe in those guys and maybe be Tank Dell, I don't know. I, I don't think so because Tank Dell is just so explosive off the line. Maybe he's like Hollywood Brown. Uh, but at the end of the day, we'll have to see what Tank Dell does now, right? Like you, we talked about his size and he may have all the speed in the world, but if his injury takes some of that speed away or he never gets back to full health, there's a guy that kind of didn't make it, but either, either way, I, 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 I will say, I, I will say I'm, I'm in on Hollywood Brown. I, and I was in on him in the draft. I, I did, listen, the Titans that. are not signing uh, Hollywood Brown. You, I'm you in on him. Just get off of it. Put it I'm in your trunk of the chair. Look, they they need they need speed desperately. He's got speed. He could be a vertical threat. And I do think he pairs well. Here's my reasoning. I do think he pairs well with Will Levis, who we've seen is in love with the deep ball and in love with his arm and can throw it. But he you know, can't 70 catch it. Yards. Well, I, I he doesn't he, can, he has he a horrible can, reception percentage. Well, that's that's fine because that's also because he's targeted way down the field often, which is is a lower completion percentage throw generally. But I I, I don't think it's that he drops a ton of deep balls or anything like that. I, I think he is capable of getting open deep, and if he has a receiver who can push the ball down the field like that, um, that maybe that could be a good marriage. Now I I don't think he's going to come here and be a twelve hundred yard receiver or anything like that, but I do think he could be useful for this team in a way that you know makes sense for for the titans if you look at a team that has deandre hopkins and has Traylon burks currently on it uh and, and is likely to add a receiver in the draft i think it gives you a different body type a different skill set that you don't have currently and look this team desperately needs playmakers uh and, and i think hollywood brown is a playmaker so that's my hollywood brown uh pitch what's your favorite hollywood brown play I don't have one. I don't have one. Because <laughs> I, I don't see this playmaker thing. I mean, he's got four touchdowns, three touchdowns last two seasons. Play, you know, I do not see the playmaker. He's had one barely thousand yard season out of his out of his five. Yeah, I don't see. I mean, I, look, I'm not saying he's like a superstar. I'm just saying he brings something different to the table that they don't currently have. Mm, yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but. 
get something better than that. And I think this is the draft to do it, is in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Like, in my opinion, yeah. It, the, to me, the draft over Hollywood Brown. You can't talk me into Hollywood Brown, and the Titans will not be talked into Hollywood Brown because he's not going to be here at the Tennessee Titans. So this is all waiting for Brett. I'll be honest. As much as I've talked about uh, this free agent class sucking at tackles, particularly left tackle, this wide receiver free agent class sucks, honestly, at the end of the day, because I I know last people, people will, will list T. Higgins. T. Higgins is not going to hit free agency. He's going to be tagged. Uh, Mike Evans, I actually do think will hit free agency, but I don't think he's coming here and I don't think he's a fit. Um, Michael Pittman Jr. He's going to be tagged. He's not going to hit free agency. Calvin Ridley may be tagged. I don't know if you really want him, uh, necessarily, but then after that, it just falls off and it's your, your Gabe Davises, your Hollywood Browns, your Tyler Boyd's, your Darnell movies, your guys that really don't move the needle. Yeah. If Nick Holtz wants Calvin Ridley. Yeah, then I'm, I'm willing in. to give him a pass. Then I'm, I'm in. in. Yeah, that that will tell you everything you need to know about Calvin Ridley. So that I'm I'm in on that. Uh, the combine news cycle's coming up, and let's wrap it up with this. Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor, Hendersonville, Tennessee, over 50 years. Go over there and make sure that you get all your alcohol needs over there. So, Mike, the um, combine news cycle's coming up next week. Is the combine? I believe uh, Wednesday. I think we'll be in the midst of combine stuff, maybe interviews and all that kind of stuff. But the combine news cycle, and this ties into you know the reports of Derrick Henry being traded, right? Kate popped up last year. You had other stuff that popped up throughout that year. Be very careful about the combine news cycle because there's going to be a lot of rumors. But the combine news cycle, if you hear something from a reliable source, take it to the bank. That that's that thing is is circulating and happening because everybody, and I mean everybody, goes and gets drunk at these bars or St. Elmo's or restaurants, and they all blab. They all talk to each other. They all let stuff go. They they blow off a lot of steam. Yeah. Just make sure that if it's from a trusted source, it could, it's gonna heat up. If it's from a trusted source, pay attention. So we'll be paying attention to what the Tennessee, what some rumors and news cycles coming out from about the Tennessee Titans. But this is where you know you kind of dip your your toe into free agent water. You have a couple conversations with some free agents uh, or some agents of free potential free agents. Kind of you know figure out what the market is. Hey, you know what about Nashville? No income taxes. You know blah blah blah. Just make sure you guys just pay attention. And yeah. and also, make sure you decipher appropriately. Yeah, and and yeah, it, it is just going to be a bunch of GMs getting drunk around media people at St. Elmo's every night uh, in Indianapolis for a week. So it's yeah, people get a little loose, uh, start talking, uh, and and yeah, I do think stuff will start coming out. This is where the groundwork for free agency is laid. You know, we've even heard stories about. Uh, big time trades happening because two teams were like located next to each other in the, in the stadium at, at uh, Lucas oil field. Uh, and they were just talking next door and, and then, you know, a trade ended up coming out of that. So it is, uh, you know, kind of this big mixing pot event for the entire NFL where a lot of, a lot of business gets done or at least gets started uh, at the combine. And, you know, I, I think, I find the combine very interesting for certain position groups, um, namely tight end, uh, edge rusher. Uh, yeah, combines are tiebreakers. 
That's that. Those okay. are the so everybody needs to know tackles. this. Combines are tie break tiebreakers. No one yeah. really shoots way up a board. Nobody no. goes from a fourth round to a first round because of the combine. But I combines do think are sometimes you'll see a guy and you're like, man, he looks athletic on tape, but it's hard to like quantify like, well, okay, what is that? And then you see the combine results and you're like, okay, wow, yeah, yeah, that guy's a freak. Um, so I think it can confirm kind of what you see. But if the mm-hmm. tape totally doesn't match, like if a guy is has bad slow tape and then he runs really fast at the combine, you know, maybe you go back and look again or or ask around if he had an injury or something like that uh that he was playing with that wasn't reported. But uh for the most part, you're you're just confirming or you know, doing stuff like that. It's it shouldn't wildly change your opinion of yeah. guys. But I will say, tackle, tight end, defensive end, those are the positions to me where like combine measurables matter the most in, in how I view them as a prospect because there's just so few outliers at those positions where it's like, man, he's a terrible athlete, but he turned out to be a really good tight end. Or man, he's a terrible athlete, but he turned out to be an awesome pass rusher. Like you, you remember Jalen Ferguson a few years ago that – uh I think he broke the sack record, the career sack record uh, at Louisiana Tech, I believe it was. And he comes into the draft and he tested horribly at the combine, gets drafted and has done nothing in the NFL because bad athletes don't make good pass rushers. They just don't. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. So, like, to me, it can disqualify somebody more, much more so than, like, shoot somebody up a board. Um but it'll be interesting nonetheless to kind of see how that all shakes out. There, there's a few exceptions at tackle, but most of your tackles are like 80th or 90th percent RAS guys. So I'm excited for RAS week next week. Yeah. Will Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu be there? They'll be there. Do we know if they're taking part of the drills? No, we do not. We we won't know who takes part of the drills and all that kind of stuff until th- that all gets in a full swing next week. But they are on the list to be there. Pretty much everyone who's at top which I'll do, will be there. Yeah. Yeah, there's. Uh, I think they invited 132, 137, and I think something like that. And they've just invited a couple of people from the HBCU Combine as well. Uh, tighten up, Tony. Would y'all do pick 38 and Traylon Burks for T. Higgins a pick 80? Hell no, I'm keeping pick 38, and I don't think T. Higgins is worth that plus the contract. That's why I'm kind of out on T. Higgins anyway. I'm good on giving up the second round pick. That's just not where this team is 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 at. I think um, I lean that way too. I think I'd rather have. Adonai Mitchell and and the yeah. remains of Traylon Burks yeah. uh, than, than T. Higgins. Uh, Stoney with a cautionary tale, don't bite on another Bryce Ford Wheaton. I would totally agree with that. That's one of those combine guys. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the combine, the combine tracker will be is coming soon for Stacking Inbox paid subscribers. Uh, I've got it pretty much all filled out, pretty much ready, but it will be coming soon next week. For those that don't know, I keep up with all the combine tracker, and I have uh, comparables to uh, tight or NFL players that have been good at those positions and what their measurables are. It's just something to compare to to kind of see, like, oh, well, DeAndre Hopkins had a bad combine, so does this automatically disqualify that player? So that would be a guy, you know, that you guys can look at. We'll have all that up for every position except for punters, kickers, long snappers, and 
uh, quarterbacks. Because those players um, don't count. Well, except for yeah, those players don't count for the Tennessee Titans, and I'm not wasting my time with that. That's why like, um, everyone always gets mad at me when I leave Ryan Stonehouse off any tweet, and I'm like, yeah. look, I'm not gonna put a punter on there. Like, I still give a shit. I, he's good. Yeah. I think he's valuable in a certain way, but like, he's not gonna be the reason that they win a Super Bowl at any point or whatever. You know, like, come on, man. Um, real quick. Derrick Henry. I wrote about Derrick Henry yeah. and the void years and all that kind of stuff, and we didn't get in, didn't get into it. But just real quick, he wants to go to a Super Bowl team. The Titans tried to trade him all last year, unsuccessfully, but tried to trade him. And apparently, uh, Vrabel didn't get what he wanted, or Rand maybe didn't get what he what they wanted in return. Um, they do not. They also um, let the void years accelerate now. Over the cap has a mysterious 700K floating around out there. I don't know where that's coming from because he didn't hit any incentives that were, that he didn't have any incentives to hit that at least are listed anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, we're talking about 4,700 um, in dead cap. The problem is if you signed someone like an Antonio Gibson, if you signed someone like an AJ Dillon, Deontay Foreman, AJ Dillon, maybe or draft a guy, they all come in cheaper over the next two years in extending Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry does not want to be here. The Tennessee Titans have obviously kind of let their actions speak louder than their words. Uh, Maybe Brian Callahan changes things. Maybe Randy Jordan changes things. I doubt it, or they would have probably tried to work out an extension. But that $4.7 million is added on to whatever his cap hit is if he were to come back to the Tennessee Titans. So there is a potential chance that you're costing yourself $7 million this year and $7 million next year if it's a one-year deal or even if it's a two-year deal. It does not make sense fiscally, and this is a team built on analytics. And what do analytics people say all the time? Running backs don't matter. Don't so I don't. Backs. And with the running back free agent market, I really just don't think Derrick Henry is going to be here in the Tennessee Titans. I've been on that for a while now. If Rabel was here, I'd be like, okay, he's coming back. He probably would have already had a deal done, but he is not coming back this year, in my in my opinion. I would agree with that. I, I don't think he's coming back, and I think uh, earmuffs, if you're sensitive, I think he's going to be a Raven. I, I just think he is. Um, Raven or Eagles? I could see the Eagles. Because the the – what was it on? Uh, he I think can go be a winner over at Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the winner squad over there. Um, I, I think busting with the boys, he said it, there was two AFC teams. And, look, if you look go through the list, the ones that make sense are the Ravens, um, maybe the Bills, although I think James Cook has really become I like, don't think that the Bills make enough. sense. People keep bringing either. that up. I don't think so. I don't either because I, I think James Cook's emergence has made it to where he doesn't make sense there anymore. Now, I could see potentially right. maybe the Chiefs, although that would be such a weird fit in their offense. Um, but yeah, Pacheco's I mean, so much, in my opinion, better than Derrick Henry now. I think I still think Derrick Henry's better than Pacheco, but I don't think that they have such a big need at running back, given that P- P- Pacheco's cheap, he's pretty good. Um, that they need to spend their money there, right? Like that, they could spend. They need to spend their money on wide receivers. Uh, they need to spend their money on Chris Jones on trying to keep Lejarius Sneed. Although I don't want them to do that because I would love Lejarius Sneed in Nashville. Um, but uh, 
I, I think that the Chiefs need to spend their money elsewhere. I, to me, the Ravens make sense. He's a physical player. That's a physical team. They want to run the ball a lot. They've had a role for Gus Edwards. He is better than Gus Edwards, without doubt, right? Like, that is very clear. And if you can upgrade that spot and, and give them some more leadership, like, he fits their culture and everything like that. And I don't, I don't mean to say nice things about the Ravens on a Titans podcast. I get that, but... That is a perfect fit, and he gets a chance to go try to win a Super Bowl with a guy that like he's friends with and Lamar Jackson has trained with before, things like that. That makes perfect sense to me. I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to be a Raven, and I think people are going to be really mad and, and upset about it for a few days, and then they'll move right back on to uh, you know, having, having hope for the Titans. <laughs> so, I think, I think Eagles, fine. Cowboys, and Ravens will all be in the mix for Derrick Henry see services, yeah, free agency. I see and I think that in the big scheme of things, that those teams all make sense. I have a really hard time figuring out an AFC team other than the Ravens that makes sense to me. Um, and, and and to be honest, I think the Tennessee Titans can do better by getting a. They're 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 this is a new team, and I think that's what people have to realize, and that's what we'll end our show on. This is a new team. We know nothing about this team because it's another long episode, of course. We know nothing about this team, and we know nothing, we know very little about what this team values and doesn't value, other than we know that it values a wide receiver, it values offensive line and offense, and it values playing physical man coverage. Uh, which means that Noah Dory Jackson, for those who are floating that name to come back. That's insanity. Hey, here's the corners. Here's the corners. Lejarius Sneed would be wonderful. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I'd like cut my right leg off to to get Jalen Johnson in Nashville, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna make it to the market. Lejarius Sneed. What do you think Sneed is? Do you, are you I, saying that Sneed so has a better chance? He has a better chance because Chris Jones is there and the Chiefs may not be able to make it work for both of those guys, uh, even with like using the franchise tag, which I I think they're probably more likely to tag Sneed than they are to tag Jones because of the fact that the tag on Jones would be like $30 million or $32 million or something like that this year. But he's got a better chance. But I think that the guys that you want to watch at corner while we're here, uh, Legarius uh, Need if he comes available. But then Kendall Fuller, who has a connection with both Denard Wilson uh, and um, Chris Harris Jr. No, 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 I'm sorry. He, he just has a connection with Chris Harris Jr. But he was with him for, for three years in Washington. Uh, really good player, really high football IQ, really high football character, does all the stuff that they want. Um, would be a home run signing to me. Uh, Jadobi Awuzie, who has the experience with Brian Callahan, uh, is another physical outside corner, really good player. Coming off of an ACL injury, he was coming off of an ACL injury this year, which hampered him a little bit and caused his play to be like not quite as good as it had been before. But if you can get a guy that's coming into the second year off of that ACL, that's proven historically to be better. I think he's a good buy low candidate because of that. And then the other guy that I'll throw out there is Ronald Darby. He's not super exciting because I think he's 29, but as like a guy that you could throw a one-year contract on and settle one of those corner spots, he's been really good and really consistent for a long time. And he does have uh, experience with um, uh, Chris Harris Jr. I'll, I'll throw well. out an, another name out there for you is Emmanuel well Mosley. Uh, yeah. 
I had him He's on the guy that the Titans should have brought in last year who has a Rand Carthon connection. Now, the, the he is coming off an injury, so this may be a buy-low candidate. But I, I think that if you, like, walked away, let's take Snead off the board, let's take Jalen Johnson off the board. If you walked okay. away with a Chidobi, a Wuzier, and Emmanuel Mosley, I'm feeling pretty good about what that is compared to last year. Even if you throw in maybe a Kendall Fuller on and place a one of those guys. I, if um, you could get a Wuzier and Fuller, I, I think you're set at corner. I think you're great. Um, yeah. But and this is a really good corner draft as well. In my I'd, opinion, this is a really, really good cornerback draft. And I'd slightly prefer Ronald Darby to Mosley simply because Mosley's coming off of his second straight season with a torn ACL. So he tore his left ACL in 2022, and then he came back and in the first game back tore his right ACL in 2023. And so I think he's likely to miss some time heading into the first month of the season. So to me... That's kind of the, and there's also like a big injury. Like, is he still going to have juice coming back from that and all all that too? So, I think there's questions there with the injury stuff that make me a little bit more hesitant on him compared to a guy like Ronald Darby who has been yeah. on the field more recently and and things like that. But I do think Kilo Witherspoon is a guy that I think everybody should put on the radar as well. He okay. was pretty yeah. good for for them big, last year. I was a big and fan. He also of has a Rank Carthon connection. Okay, I was a big fan of his coming out of the draft, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm in on any Witherspoon. Uh, I think this is a good super long. It's a really good off season, in my opinion, when you take into account the draft and free agency to fill a lot of the holes long term that this Tennessee Titans team needs. I think Except it is on defense, spot. Except for one spot. Inside linebacker is terrible. No, it's a terrible time to need okay, an inside for, linebacker right for now. the draft or for free agency because I think free Both. agency is actually good. Yeah, but you're not going to get Patrick Queen. I mean, unless you're, you're going to spend, are you going to spend the money for Patrick Queen? That's yeah. probably going to take. Yeah, he's okay. 24 years old. He's never missed an NFL game. He's, his production is on a very clear upward trajectory. Uh, I also think don't, Jordan Brooks makes sense. I would Jordan like Jordan Brooks, Brooks here. Um, I don't know whether he'll hit the market or not. I would like Jordan Brooks here. Aziz, I would cer- sh- certainly bring back. I'd be open to that. Um, I'd like a guy like Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, um, Josie Jewell. I would even be willing to entertain as like a guy paired with an uh, Aziz. But you need um, two. You need two. You do need two. You do need two. And you need two in free agency because you're not going to draft one that you're going to plug and play right. most likely. That's in, where on I day think three. It, it, it goes for me is that like you need two players. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really hard to do in this, in this free agency class. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that, but could you bring back Aziz and also get Patrick queen? I think you could. Yeah. And I think that would make a really good combination too. My God, so. that would be light years. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what I'm watching. Yeah. It would be, it'd be a lot of fun. So I, yeah, I think I actually think inside linebacker is good in free agency. I think edge rusher is a good spot in free agency to address because I don't think, like, I don't think Danico Autry is probably going to come back. Um, all right, all right, all right. We got another right. episode to okay. go. Okay, we gotta get right. out of here. It's a, we we got a couple weeks for free agency. We could talk about more free agency all stuff. Right. Um, we're just I'm two all dudes I'm all gas. That's what I called it. That's why I called this podcast just two dudes talking football because that's what we did. We just talked to covered a variety of topics. Bluegrass Beverages, thanks to them for being our sponsor through these long, drawn-out episodes.
Uh, I swear to God, I am trying to get one hour episodes done, but it does not look like that's going to happen. Uh, it is the off season, and somehow we have longer shows in the off season than we do during the regular season. For Mike Kerndon at Mike Kerndon NFL on X, I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at FWordsPod. This has been Football and Other FWords. Techinginbox.com, PaulKarski.com. Go subscribe. And you have just been effed. <laughs>